Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tale Horror and Lit Club. I'm Tyler Bell, creator of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Dark Fiction Podcast. I am mentally stalling while I say all of these things because I forgot exactly how I wanted to open up this episode. I am I am not feeling 100% right now. I, I know I actually probably sound not too bad. I just got my second Moderna shot yesterday, and I'm a little foggy. My voice, for some reason, is a little is a little little scratchy, a little jacked up, which um, you know, hopefully, isn't too 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 grating on the ears. I think I probably sound fine. Usually, whenever I think I sound bad, I it's completely imperceptible to anybody else that's listening. So, more than likely, uh, you guys wouldn't notice at all. But I digress. My arm hurts. I don't know if anyone else, I hope you're out there getting your vaccinations. Just as a, not even a quick aside, literally as a public service announcement, get your vaccine, guys. I know there's a lot of dumb people out there saying that you shouldn't get it or I'm just going to wait until, you know, just uh, just till they get their signs out there. It's like, dude, you, your fucking brother wouldn't even like trust you to change the spark plugs in his fucking Honda Civic, like, why the fuck do you think that you have any authority on whether or not vaccines are efficacious, dangerous, or valuable to the general population? Well, you know, I watched a bit of that TV right there. They said they didn't, they didn't, they didn't isolate the virus before they, they, they extracted that RNA. Who knows what that can mean? Possibly. Possibly. That, that virus that, that they're injecting you with, man, I don't know what it could do. Give you the blood clots. <laughs> oh, that 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 poor guy. That, that accent gets a lot of injustice. What 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 would be the comeback to that? Well, I don't know about that, there, Scooter. You know, I, I've been reading the CDC is doing a pretty good job of checking out everything that's going on with it. They're doing a lot of testing, not maybe as much as they they could be. And well, for sure, a vaccine that took five years to do would be better than a vaccine put out in one year, but. Any port in a storm there, brother? Well, I don't know, but it ain't port in a storm. Ain't no storm. I'm trying not to get them blood clots. Well, you know, it's only been six blood clots out of a million people administered only one of the vaccines. 
the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. As a matter of fact, they're not even giving that out in your township. They're giving out the Moderna. And I'm pretty sure that's about as safe as they come, as far as I know. Well, I fuck it. I don't know. I just don't want to take it because I'm owning the libs. <laughs> Seriously, go out and get your fucking vaccines, guys. Like, I don't understand it. I just, I just think back to, like, literally a year ago when the, 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 the Republican talking point was, for, for whatever reason, like, libs are bad if they don't take the vaccine because it's for everybody, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a little dangerous. I would take the hydroxychloroquine, which has, like, hydroxychloroquine, I've, I've actually seen people take it. It's prescribed for random shit all the time when you're in the military. And uh, a guy that I was in with, it's actually my fucking roommate, got something. And I cannot remember what he came down with, but they gave him hydrochloroquine, which I, I didn't know that's what it was at the time. It's, we call them mosquito pills. So then, because hydro, hydrochloroquine is a derivative of quinine, which is deriv, derived from a tree that comes from South America. And if you chew the tree bark, um, it makes mosquitoes that bite you less likely to pass on Malaria. So these are malaria pills. It also just um, sends your body into fucking overdrive. It basically makes you toxic, like on the inside. So it's not really a cure so much as it's like a very, again, basically like a primitive version of radiation therapy, you know? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so take all of this with um, a truckload of salt. But basically how I understand it works is it makes your body completely un- inhabitable to other things so it's uh it can be used to like kill off small organisms that are inside of you so as an anti-parasitic it has you know some efficacy because you know amoebas are big and so amoebas are much much larger and are their, their body structure is much more complex and therefore much easier to fatally damage to a degree you know what i'm saying so like you can kill them with something like that as opposed to a virus, which is literally just like a, an errant bit of fucking computer code floating around in your bloodstream that's, that's, you know, very negative interactions with you. Much harder to kill with something like that because whatever, you know, it's, it's just, it just is. Obviously, I'm, 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 I'm mutilating all of this, but nobody even has this deep of a conversation when they start talking about, I ain't gonna take that vaccine, buddy. Like, <laughs> dude, just take the fucking vaccine, man. Like, literally, millions upon millions of people are taking it, and they're fine. Like, just, just do it. It's worth it. It's literally better than getting corona. Man, uh, minor announcement, actually, on top of that. Now we're moving to the next subject. This probably coming fall, because I have a lot of pre-flight things to do, I am going to be releasing a book. I don't think I've announced this yet. On, on any of the main channels. But yeah, I'm going to be self-publishing the season four book, basically. So you will be able to buy a physical copy of it off of Amazon. If you want a physical copy, you'll be able to buy the digital copy. If you, if you have people, and I hear this all the time, people are like, hey, do you have a non-podcast version of these stories for people to read? Because like, I know people would love to read this, but they just don't, they don't listen to podcasts or they don't want to hear shit. And so I'm going to put that out as like a way to kind of spread. It's mainly going to be a way for me to kind of test the waters, practice self-publishing and stuff, because I really just, I, I really just don't have any faith 
in the uh, the publishing industry to like see reason and come find me. It's it's just such a broken system that I don't want to put any faith in it. I don't. I wanna I want to try to make this money on my own, and if I can release this and get it out there and make some make some cash off of it, you know, I don't have to become a fucking millionaire, and I have no no belief in myself that that will happen. I, I hope to sell like a, a few thousand copies would be fucking amazing and actually would put me in line with uh, some, most of the most successful people uh, to sell books. If I, could, if I could sell a few thousand copies, that would be like literally the top of the pops, the absolute maximum goal. I think more than like that, I'd sell probably like 50 to 100. Um, but hopefully I can get the book involved in some of those like free programs. And then if, if people like it, by the time they get to the back of the book or even at the front, like, oh, shit, this is a fucking podcast. And, you know, it, it's just a way to get ahead because you, know, you can't if you're going to be grinding out there, you can't grind with the belief in your fucking heart that somebody's just going to notice one day and be like, damn, he is putting in the work. It's time. It's time to give him a, a him a shot. These motherfuckers don't know me. And these, these New York agent type people, you know, they don't go anywhere. They're weird. They're very weird to me. When you look at the rest of the entertainment industry, they're kind of, they're behind the times by about a century. Like the whole way that you get agents in this country is, is dumb as fuck. So, you know, you, you, have you seen every, every movie about a band, right? How does it go? The band plays gigs that, and they make their own money right? Hey, we're just scrabbling by $500 a show split four ways here, here, here. And they do their own shit. And the agents, these, uh, what do they call them? AMD guys, R&D, A&D guys, they go out, these, these agent types from the labels and they go to these shows and they see who's, who's hip and who's popping because they don't live where the people that buy the shit lives live and they know that like you don't you're not gonna fucking know what's popping in wyoming and like what the fucking people in minnesota want to hear if you never leave the upper west side of manhattan you just not it's never gonna fucking happen because what what in the fuck they just go around all these like little places i constantly see it's like hey we got a new person over here at whatever and whatever and you know the big four and it's always just these like people that went to like Columbia or or whatever, but they always have they always have like a fucking New York street address. And I'm not moving to New York City. I don't like it there that much. It's a great place to visit um, and hang out for a bit. They got a lot of culture. The food is not as good by a fucking sight as food in the Midwest, especially in Louisville where I live. Our our food's fucking amazing. Our alcohol is amazing. We make it and then they buy it. Like, I don't want to live there. I want to live here. I can afford a house. I own a home. You know what I mean? With my wife. Like, you can't do that in New York City. I don't want to live in a fucking penthouse. And I don't believe that that should be the, uh, the, the tax that you should have to pay in order to get your shit out there. But these people don't go out, man. I guess there's like literary magazines and shit. But I literally have, I have been reading and I've been in libraries and I have been around, you know, even college campuses and shit. I do not know anybody that buys books casually and regularly and subscribes to literary magazines. Maybe Reader's Digest, maybe 10 years ago. 
But that that's not that is not indicative of the people I know that own bookcases. You know, and most of my friends are are people that read. They have bookcases. They have bookcases that are constantly getting new books on them, and they do not read these fucking magazines. They don't value them. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, what what the fuck? I don't even. They first off, they don't even know what they are, and and second, that's just not how they approach their content. And yet, for some reason placement in one of these magazines is like one of the best ways to get up there. And it's like, dude, people don't even fucking buy magazines anymore. Like it's literally 2021. You know what I'm saying? Back in 1975, dude, it was cool as shit. You know, like, Hey man, I got, I got a story published in Harper's. I got a story and these aren't even literary magazines. I got a story published in Harper's. I got a story published in the New Yorker. I got a story published in, in Playboy. Playboy was huge. That's how Stephen King got so goddamn big. But that is, that's just not a thing anymore. I, I don't know anybody who owns, has, has a Playboy subscription. I don't know anybody that has a Harper's subscription. You know, I, I'm sure they have them. I, it is a magazine that exists. Um, I, know, I know several people that have New Yorker subscriptions and do not read them. But I've never seen somebody like, I'm going to buy this book. Because it was published. They had a story in the New Yorker. And those are like high-end, well, with the exception of Playboy, high-end literary magazines. And, you know, the, the old, like, astonishing tales, those kind of things, those don't even fucking exist anymore. I look back at uh, all of these Stephen King books I have where he does these introductions. You know, if you're reading, like, Four Past Midnight or Skeleton Crew, it's in, in one of those where he talks about, like, this was a story I originally wrote to get published in Astonishing Tales magazine in 1965. Right here in the late year of 1987, it's sad to say that that magazine's not gone, but they did accept several of my works, and I really wouldn't be where I am today without them. It's like they don't fucking exist anymore. So, you know, these people would sit in New York, and they, I guess they, they, they paw through these magazines and shit, and they ask you, they ask you if you've been published in them when you try to, like, you know, go to these, um, you, you try to, like, whatever, hit them up to, to become agents and shit. And it's like, I'm not going to fucking work to get published in a magazine that's, first off, really fucking hard to get into, because apparently a ton of people send shit to these fucking lit mags and the lit mags are like, well, they got a slush pile too. So you got to write some fucking letter where you pretend to give a fuck about this person and, you know, sometimes even send them money. Like, you know, the, the, the admissions fee for some of these things is like five or 10 bucks. And I think that's supposed to be unethical, but still fucking do it. And, and then you might not even get in. And if you do get in, they pay like fucking five cents a word. Which, or not even five, like, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, like five cents a word, which is um, not much. It's like, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks a story, which if you think about it, I'm already doing right now with my podcast. Like I'm already, I already have bigger reach and I make more money with my podcast than they do with their literary magazine. And I guess whatever their lit magazine is being read ostensibly by these fucking people in New York. But I, I don't know anyone on the streets that's reading these things. I, no one. And, and, you know, people recommend stuff to me all the time. And please do it. I love your recommendations. And literally one of the things I'll be talking about today, but many of the things I end up checking them out eventually. No one's ever recommended me a lit mag. No one's ever been like, man, you should, you should really check out, 
you know, whatever, Astonishing Tales. I, I, I keep going to that, even though I think Astonishing Tales is a fucking comic book <laughs> series. But you should, you, should check out this, uh, you should check out this lit mag. They're doing a lot of great stuff, and there's all kinds of people being published in it, blah, 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 blah. No, never, fucking never. No one that I know that just reads and doesn't like podcasts, no one that I know that's like 65 to 85 years old. I have a, my, my fucking mother-in-law works in a library and she never talks about, she gets all kinds of books in. But you know what people do talk to me about? They talk to me about podcasts. They talk to me about collection podcasts. They talk to me about indie podcasts. And it's not just because I'm here. It's because they're fucking listening to the things. People do not, and I swear to God, people do not recommend me shit because they think I will uh, be into it based on my interests. Well, okay, that's not correct. Because of the, the, the sort of media that I'm interested in. You know, they won't just be like, hey, you should check out podcast because podcast. They're like, you, should, you like horror, so you should check out all of these different types of horror things. I get recommended card games, board games, tabletops. I get recommended. YouTube videos, short series, I get recommended. Multimedia projects that are on websites that like literally you have to listen to some of it, some of it you have to watch, some of it you have to read, some of it's like a game, all sorts of things. I have never, ever been recommended a fucking magazine with other people's stories in it, not once. And God bless anybody that's out there trying to get published in these things or that, that really values them, or, you know, hey, if you remember them from when you were a kid, because, I don't know, I, I guess they had them, fuck yeah. But I have literally never even fucking read one outside of the lit mag, lit lit mags that I had to read when I was in college getting a fucking English degree, and those were published on the campus and usually featured one or two stories from the fucking professor that was at the head of the goddamn class, or they edited it. So, you know, big old truckload of salt with that. So my thing, and you know, I know this sounds like I'm whining, but I'm really not. I just, I think, I feel a lot like the uh, horror lit and really just the genre fiction engine in this country is being fucking robbed by this system because it's not how it works in, in Japan, like I'm fairly familiar with their shit. And I guess you can still probably always just send an unsolicited letter to a slush pile, but they have all sorts of websites and stuff that they get their fucking shit from like their version of uh what pad. I cannot remember it. I think it's, I can't, I can't remember what the hell it's called. It's, it, it's like a, 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 what do you call it? A Japanese acronym. So it's like, and they, people publish shit to that all the time, all the fucking time. And literally the anime industry hit a third resurgence in the early to mid 2010s in the isekai genre, which no one took seriously. Like, what if I got sucked into my video game? And, you know, I guess if you, if you take, take that to some fucking agent who's like, well, right now what's selling is rom-coms. We need more rom-coms. Do you have any of those people? What people really like. What people really, really like are those harem anime. I, I, I think we could put some more harem anime out. Maybe one where the guy's glasses have got some squiggle lines on them. They love those from the 1990s. No, they, they, they wanted to keep fucking shoving that shit out. And then this site had all these fucking light novels. And then, you know, somebody would, some fucking aspiring mangaka, some artist would be like, hey man, can I draw some for that? Because people really like your story. 
and they would start collaborating and making these goddamn comic books. And all these people are super fucking indie, super fucking indie, like literally nothing under their belt. And now they have massive, I mean, fucking massive, multi, multi-million dollar, billion dollars in some cases, billion dollar fucking franchises off of scribbling on an internet site. And our people in America are literally too stupid to do that. They just don't. Not unless your podcast hits like 1.9 million fucking listeners a hit. And then you can be like no sleep and sort of put out a storybook. But you can't really because then you'll actually have to start paying your fucking writers like a very, very equitable amount of money because the Writers Guild of America will come down and fuck start your shit engine. WGA needs to get deeply deeply involved in podcasting, by the way, because there is a fuck ton, a fuck ton of exploitation going on in this. Like, as an aside, and we're, we're, this, is, this is real horror and lit club shit too, by the way. And this is some stuff that I've seen. And let me be very direct and very, very upfront about this. If you are a small creator and you're making no money at all, then, you know, it's okay. I consider your podcast to be a garage band podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's you in your garage. You're not paying your fucking, you're, you're not paying your guitarist. You're not paying your drummer. But also, you're not paying yourself, really. You're not making any fucking money. But the understanding is, is that the equity that you're putting into that might be worth something one day. And everybody's going to get a cut of that down the road. That is fine. I think of, um, especially my, my, my buddy Steve LaFond over at whichever path, like, he has a, a smallish but growing podcast, and it doesn't do like huge numbers, and they can't make a shit ton of money. But he makes sure that he pays every single person like at least a little bit, at least a little bit to be on there, right? And that's great. That's garage band level, pro am, amateur grade shit. That's fine, you know. And you can't you can't fuck with that because that's the creative engine of the world. That said. There are, and I won't say their names out loud, there are fucking podcasts that are, are, are approaching the tippity-tip-tip-top of the fucking iceberg that take in people's stories and pay them peanuts. They are doing tours, tours across the fucking goddamn world where they read people's stories and pay themselves tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars and they paid these motherfuckers like 300 400 fucking dollars for that story. Bitch, you should be arguing that's royalties first off, royalties second off, way higher pay. There should be an entire process to fight in there and you should be actively trying to pay those people. Because first off, you wouldn't have a fucking product if it if it was not for those writers and your voice actors are not that good. They do not draw an audience. No one is coming there for the names that I've never heard of to hear. You, you, don't, you don't have fucking Kate Blanchett reading your fucking stories. Goddamn Bill Skarsgård isn't coming in and, 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 and chirping up through these fucking stories. These stories are good in and of themselves. And that and maybe the name of your podcast is literally the reason why they're coming to it. And that those people, while you're on these tours, are not making fucking bank off these goddamn stories is a fucking travesty. And it drives me insane. And like, it, it's just one of those things, man, where people do not take fucking writers seriously. 
And it drives me nuts because I remember 2007. I really do. Like I was there when the writer's strike happened. I was was in Iraq, but Heroes was my favorite show. Like it was the dopest shit. We watched it all the fucking time at our, 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 uh, FOB. I don't know what you know. It was really, it was an Iraqi police station. So at our IP station, we watched Heroes. We watched the first two seasons or the first one season. And then the writer's strike happened and they could only put out six episodes and they tried to write it themselves. And these fucking Melvins literally could not scrape stones together to make something of value. And that's just the fucking nature of it. People are out there. And you know what? It's not just, and I will say this, it is not just fucking fiction podcasts. Do not get that in your mind. There are true crime podcasts. There are fucking history podcasts. Podcast upon podcast upon podcast where the writer, the creator of the podcast, or the, 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 yeah, well, the writers, the real creators, the real creative engines behind the podcast who are doing research, who are doing writing, are not making the money that they deserve off of these. And the fucking, the Writers Guild of America needs to come in and start dunking on people in order to get them the fucking revenue share that they deserve. Honestly, if I'd had WGA representation, I wouldn't have gotten fucked on Monstro as hard as I did. And I am going to be making a video about that soon. So also think, get, get ready for that. that. I get fucking aped up about this shit, dude. I am fucking amped, aped up, amped up. I'm in a fucking tree slinging shit at motherfuckers right now. So you know what, ever fucking aped up. I digress though. All that aside, all of that fucking anger and rage, um, you know, that, that's how I feel. And I don't want, I don't like that that situation is going on. And you know, the hard thing about changing it is that a lot of people that have the talent to actually supersede through it, or not even really the talent, but there's the drive. Once they make it, it's not as upsetting to them because, you know, they're inside and it's comfy to them. And they're like, oh, you know, it's bad, but whew, six figures this year. Meh. Man, I don't know if I really want to change up anything. So I just think, uh, I think if, you know, I can start releasing some indie books and making some money off of that and showing other people independent and no big four representation does not like, does not mean bad. I, I'll, I'll say it right now. And this is bragging. I think I'm a better horror writer than a lot of people being released right now. I've had a lot of books recommended to me by that are, you know, major, major releases and stuff and whatever, I guess, you know, something, sometimes you can say you're taking advantage of the zeitgeist and people really want some sort of specific type of story right now. But I just don't think, I don't think that the, the talent level is, is equivalent to, to the spotlight level. And I think that, you know, the advertising machines are in, they're always in motion. So, you know, Every fucking cocksucker that comes out with a goddamn book that has horror somewhere in it, Stephen King will get paid, I'm, I don't know, I'm going to guess between 20 and 50 grand. <laughs> he probably does it for free just because every time somebody comes out with a book, you also get Stephen King advertising. And this is the scariest thing I've ever read. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't get scared easy. He says that over and over and over again. I think he said that about the last like 15 fucking novels I've seen with his name on it. God bless Steve. God fucking bless him. But I don't believe him. A Stephen King, a Stephen King, uh, that a boy is literally worthless to me because I've seen it on some of the most dog shit books ever. And I think it's really just the industry propagating itself 
you know, in, in a way that it, it's used to and it hasn't really had to, to move aside. But I feel like there's an independent revolution coming and I want to be a part of it. And it needs to happen. You know, Kindle Direct publishing and things like that need to do to the writing world what YouTube did to television. And, you know, YouTube's not the best shit ever, but there is some amazing fucking content on YouTube. And it really knocked a lot of traditional creators, like, on their asses. Like, you can just type in funny on on YouTube and you will literally entertain yourself for an hour better than SNL, like, can on their best day. (laughs) Fucking Saturday Night Live. My wife loves it. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but I fucking hate that show. You know, if you're, if you're upset about that, it was great in the 90s. It was great in like the 70s too for a while. But it has been on for fucking like 50 years. And uh, maybe it's just time. It's just time to end it. You know what's, what's insane about Saturday Night Live is I can hear Saturday Night Live and it always sounds the same to me. I know I'm listening to a Saturday Night Live sketch and I think it's because that Lorne Michaels guy has been in charge of it for like 40 fucking years and he just likes people to talk a certain way. Because I will hear, I will hear the fucking barest bit, six or seven sentences, and it doesn't matter what fucking era it is. It does not matter. And I will be like, Saturday Night Live. That's a Saturday Night Live sketch. And there just must be a certain way that if you talk, Lorne Michaels, who if you don't know, he's been the showrunner of, of Saturday Night Live since the 70s or something, I think. I think you, know, you have to do every skit that they see on that show. You have to do it for him sometime during the week. And that's like uh, the thing. I, I know all this from listening to the Mark Maron podcast. He's, Mark Maron's more upset about Saturday Night Live than I am about publishing. <laughs> and he's more successful than I am. Um, there's just a way that they talk. And I, I don't know exactly how to replicate it. Hey, everybody, did you see this thing? Uh, yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. Uh, and then like one of the funny ones, I, I swear to God, they hire two types of people on that show normal voice people and then like uh non-normal voice people like i'm not gonna say i almost said interesting but i'm gonna say non-normal so then right now you have uh whatever the dude with the terrible tattoos and then he'll come in and he sounds like yeah i'm wondering what is fun i think jimmy kimmel was that back in the day that might have just sounded like the insane ramblings of a madman which you know i probably it was probably it was i i respect that but that's just how i feel about that show as we're going to transition into the, the topics we're going to be talking about today, um, like what you like, don't, don't take any of my, my criticisms as a, uh, you should hate the things that you enjoy, enjoy them, just because I feel strongly about something does not mean that your value in it should change at all. Although there are some things that if you like, and I found out you like them, I will, uh, <laughs> I will, I will respect your opinion less. Like um, Rick Sanchez says from Rick and Morty, I've seen what makes you people. I've seen what makes you people clap. Your booze mean nothing to me. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I want to talk about today is uh, Dark. The 2000 and 2017 to 2020 running Netflix uh, drama about Time travel. I don't know how to describe this show. Um, it's created by Baron von Odar, Yante Frizi, uh, and Ronnie Schalk. <laughs> no, that's right. He's a writer. Daphne Ferraro, Martin Benke, 
Marco Seng, Ronnie Schalk, and Chiantje Friesi. My German <laughs> improved three times watching Dark, which takes place in Alf Deutschland. It is, it is a show. We haven't finished it. Um, and now I found out looking it up a little bit because I did want to talk about it because I want to talk about not finishing it. We looked it up and found out that uh, it, it's, not, it's not going to be finished. It's been canceled before the full run is over. And we are midway through season three. So we're a few episodes away from being uh, ultimately disappointed anyway, which is unfortunate. But um, Dark is dark's a fucking weird show. <laughs> and it's all spoilers from here on out. So if you, you want to watch Dark and not be spoiled on anything... Um, just stop listening to this podcast and come back to it a few months later because there's, there's, I'm not even going to try to give you a timestamp because it's impossible. Maybe just, just scrub ahead to some degree. The show is ostensibly, it starts, uh, it starts off very, um, very stranger things. You know, you have kids on bikes, just good old-fashioned boys on bikes. There's kids on bikes. They, uh, they, they're driving around. I think it might even be Halloween or, or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's fall to some degree, and uh, they're, they're fucking around in the woods, and, you know, teen drama, I like her, she does not like me, oh, uh, you know, and uh, it's just a little team drama and stuff, and somebody's clearly had sex with this person, but he went away for a while, this guy's dad kills himself, and he feels bad, this guy's name is Jonas, Jonas, Jonas Kahnwald, Jonas Kahnwald, ich bin du, and that's all. Ich bin du. That's a spoiler. <laughs> you have to learn. You have to know German to fucking uh, to know what it means, though. But um, Jonas Konvald is out in the uh, out in the the German forest around this town called Vinden, which is the home of the stupidest human beings that have ever lived. Uh, a bunch of just lying, deceitful, moronically cards to the chest playing buffoons i i love them i really do but they are they they are not the place where any of this should have taken taken place the, the kid goes missing his name is mickle he 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 vanishes mickle nielsen and mickle nielsen is in, in he goes into a hole a cave which is a hole <laughs> and we find out over the next few episodes that he's actually gone back in time Hintazite. Um, so they go, he goes back in time to like 1985, 1970-something. Back in 19... I wish, dude. God, that would have been so much fucking cooler. Because then he could use that. No, you can't use that. You can't use that song. The, the Germans wouldn't get it. But um, it, 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 it turns into this sort of plotting, bleak, pr- police procedural, uh, which I enjoyed. I enjoy season one. Season one's a, a, a real party. But it is... It is a very, uh, it's not even Ponzi scheme writing. It's just big boy juggle, big boy juggling, which happens whenever you fuck with time. Because there is, um, the, the concept of paradoxes are addressed and gone into in this. But the best thing to do if you have time travel is to limit it to one or two people. <laughs> and, uh, and this show does not. And the problem with that is by the end of season two, Fucking everybody's got time machines or is crawling through the goddamn time tunnels into the future, into the past, into the past, behind the past, and then also maybe into parallel 
realities. It is a clusterfuck of a story. The cool thing about it is, is that the, the ties that bind in this story is uh, the, the ties of love and, and, and family, which unfortunately, given all the time travel, means that there is a shitload of incest <laughs> in, in the story. A, uh, a, a ton, a, just a, a bunch, a, a, whole, a whole bunch of incest. Um, the main character, Jonas, his girlfriend, Marta Nielsen, is um, actually also his aunt because we find out later that his uh, father, Mikkel, went back in time 33 some odd years to the 1980s and was adopted by Ines Konvald, who um, raised him as Mikhail Konvald, who grew up to date Hannah. Uh, Hannah Tiedemann? No, no, no. Hannah, I can't remember Hannah's last name. But it, he, he dates Hannah, who is morbidly, morbidly interested in, sexually interested in Ulrich Nielsen, who is Mikkel's dad. Uh, she marries Michael, uh, Mikhail, um, who Mikkel becomes and has Jonas. Jonas has sex with Ulrich's daughter, so the the Convald family has had sex with uh, Ulrich Nielsen, his son Mikkel Nielsen, and his son Mikkel Nielsen had a kid who had sex with his sister, also his aunt, or who is his aunt, uh, Martha Nielsen. I think they have a fucking kid at some point. Uh, and then we find out later that uh, fucking Hannah, who is absolutely insane, went back in time. And, and fucked somebody else whose kid is running around having... So, like, Winden is the most fucked up city on Earth. Because it is just, like, it's inbreeding central. Like, these people are about to all turn fucking blue. Um, the blue people of, of Cabin Creek, I think that is. Uh, that's a thing in America. There's a bunch of people that accidentally inbred a little too much. And uh, they over-iodinized iodinized their blood and it turned them blue. And uh, yeah, so they were the blue people. <laughs> it wasn't like deep incest, I think, like, you know, sisters and son, sisters and sons and, and, and mothers and fathers. Uh, it was a little bit, a little bit out into cousins, but still a touch, a touch too close. And, you know, you could have done it a little bit better, I guess, with, with cousins. I, 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 I understand that there is a European understanding of sex that is much more relaxed than the American outlook on it. We're pretty Puritan over here. And honestly, I'm very sex positive. Uh, but, 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 uh, but, no, fuck your aunt. No. <laughs> du kannst, sie kennst nicht deine Tante geficht. <laughs> sie kannst nicht. I can't remember how to say fucked right. Oh, you can't fuck your aunt, dude. And once you know it, so it starts off okay. Like, in defense of the incest, he doesn't know because they're the same age. Um, they go to school together, him and Marta, Jonas and Marta. And uh, so they don't know because they don't even know fucking time travels exist. Time travel exists. Although there is, we find out later that his. Older self is time traveling a bunch too and is there also. 
you know, because these are like in cycles. You can only go 33 years forward or back at any given time. So if you go 33 years forward in November, you wind up in November 33 years from now. If you stay there till January, you go back 33 years in January. Makes sense. But he's ruling around, and you wouldn't think that he would just go like, you know, obviously they're, they're trying to maintain the timeline to find the optimal point at which to make it all go back to where it needs to be. Um, but unfortunately, you know, clearly people are already trying to fuck <laughs> with the timeline. And I would have just, I would have just fucked with the timeline. I don't give a shit. I, like, I have made that promise to myself. If I ever time travel, I'm just doing whatever the fuck I want. I don't care. I don't care if cities get unmade. I don't care if the seas boil. I am now God. I am a time traveler. And I will wreak my havoc upon the world. I will invest in Apple and Google. I will kill certain babies to, to affect political outcomes in the future, or maybe not even kill them, but just like steal them and just move them. Like if everyone wants to kill baby Hitler, like he was uh, going to always become like Hitler. But I feel like if you would have just taken him and like flew him to like Japan and just let him be in Japan, he would have just been a Japanese person, you know, like a, like a German Japanese immigrant. Because they, they love each other, by the way, if you don't know that. The Japanese and Germans are, like, super tight. They're cool as fuck with each other. Uh, yeah, just let him live over there. I don't think he'd have been like, they must, they must destroy Indochina. <laughs> if I was, like, about to, as a young man, like, fuck my aunt, I don't care how hot she is. And, by the way, Marta is, like, she's an absolute smoke show. Um, and, and they really do hammer at home. She's got, like, bathing suit scenes. I'm... 99% sure the actress is obviously above age. They wouldn't allow it on Netflix. Although they're supposed to be like 17, 18. She's probably like in her 20s. Same with the other one who's actually just got her boobs out. Um, you know, she's, she's, they, they, they really hammer it home because she's coming out of the water and she's got her swimsuit on. It's like the only like super like, is sex is treated as a pretty gross adult thing in the entire first season and most of the second. And then they have the like, they are going to the swimming hole in the middle of fall. They really do, too. They're going swimming, and they wear jackets to go swimming. It's very German, I guess. It's how they're all in good shape. They just fucking, they get that, they get those cold shock proteins. Shout out to Joe Rogan. No, don't. No, shout out to Joe Rogan. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck a cold shock protein is, but I used to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast all the time, and I was like, that's science. That's just how the world works. Cold shock proteins. Go get yourself cried. Go put on a mask and then go fucking freeze your junk off in a cryogenic machine. Uh, but yeah, no matter how hot my aunt was, um, if, I, if I went back in time, I'd be like, dude, all right, look, I'm a time traveler from the future. Word, here's some scars. You remember when we got hurt when we were kids? Uh, don't fuck Marta. She's your aunt. It's super gross. I know she's hot, dude. I know. I know she's fucking hot. She's fucking super hot. I get it. And you're like, Still, like, in your late teens, your fucking hormones really just want to make you just smash the shit out of that. But I swear to God, she's your fucking aunt. Don't, do not fuck your aunt. The constant... <laughs> That'd be the whole story for me. It would be me trying to go back in time to prevent my younger self from doing an incest with my hot aunt. That would be it. No, stop it. Don't do it, Jonas. Stop. Halt. Halt. <laughs> I think that just means halt. I can't remember how to say stop for real. But that is, uh, you know, 
in addition, in addition to just that one major, major issue that I have with it, 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 it the story is absolutely confounding. I am very good, very, very good at keeping stories together as evidenced by my fucking podcast. But, you know, I, I can tell you almost everything that happens in the book versions of Game of Thrones if you give me enough time to just sit down and keep noodling it out. You know, I can, I can tell you why, uh, what's his name with the blue hair is coming from fucking Dorne, or not Dorne, where he's, he's landing in Dorne. He's coming from, oh, what's, it's Osos. But wait, he's really coming from Bravos. He's coming from Bravos to Dorne in order to um, make his claim on, on the throne because he is actually the real uh, Aegon Targaryen. Look, how about that? I, bro- I pulled that out of my fucking ass. Right out of my ass. Um, the, <laughs> sorry. The story of Dark is fucking convoluted. And the hard part about it is, is that everybody has uh, at least two, if not three or four representations in the story. Because, you know, if you can live to, you know, for three, four iterations of the cycle, which is whatever, what, it's extremely old. Oh, I guess maybe there's only three. But still. Like, still, that's a fucking lot, you know? So, there, you know, you have past, present, and future, or actually, like, usually teenage, middle age, and old age versions of each person, and they don't all look the same, and they do a good job for some of the people, especially most of the characters introduced in the first season, of giving them something distinctive about the way they look, scars on the face, moles, certain hairstyles and stuff, but for some of them, they have to make them mysterious. And the mysterious people kind of get lost because you're like, oh, that's that guy, but this is that. And it, it's also in another language, so that's a, it's a, a, an additional barrier. Um, I watch tons of shit in other languages all the time. I don't give a fuck about a subtitle, dude. I, I read subtitles literally. I can be on my phone and follow something with subtitles. Like, it's, it's nothing to me just because I'm, I'm so practiced at it because I'm a fucking weeb. But my wife is just like, I have no fucking idea what's going on in this show. We'll frequently have to pause it, and I'll be like, so that's his mom's sister's mother who went back in time to bring her forward in time to bring her back in time. <laughs> you know, that's not a real thing that happens, I think. But th- that's basically, you know, how the, how the story is when you experience it. Which isn't to say it's bad. But I did want to just talk about Dark for a while because it's just such an ab- abysmally odd, not even abysmally, just a kind of a wonderfully odd story, but it is definitely not something that you necessarily would enjoy. Uh, but, but definitely, definitely anybody that's, that's watched it, I'm pretty sure will want to talk about it. So obviously anybody that's listening to me wax poetic about this, hit me up. And, uh, and, and, and feel free to talk about it. Don't worry about any spoilers for the last half of the third season. We'll get to it. And, and honestly, I'll probably forget about it until then. It's not a big deal for me. Um, I, it also, weirdly enough, as convoluted as this sounds, I fucking feel like there was just a moment mid-season two where I was like, okay, I know exactly how all of this fucking ends. And uh, it stopped being surprising to me overall, which is, you know, it is what it is. But I digress. Go, go check out Dark. Definitely a, uh, a tentative 5 out of 10 recommendation. You could, you could never watch this. You could watch this, um, and your life will not change in any way. 
if you watch it, you will be confused and sometimes disgusted. <laughs> or, 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 or maybe even with yourself as much as, as, as the thing. Because you're really like, like, dude, am I, would I be able to not? I think I would. I think I would. Because like, I kind of, if I'm thinking of myself as Jonas, who is like a fictional character, I'm like, yeah, whatever it is, what it is. You know, but if it's like, I'm actually thinking of like my aunts as a kid, I'm like, ugh, it's fucking, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> that's beyond gross. So, uh, so it is, it is what it is. Uh, check out Dark. It's on Netflix. Um, unfortunately, it was never finished. So, and it won't ever be. It's been canceled after three, after three seasons. It's called the Netflix Curse. Netflix cancels almost every series after its third season nowadays. So. Just uh, if, you, if, you, if you see anything that you're interested in, watch out, especially if it didn't start after about 2015. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
So uh, the last thing I'm going to talk about today, and I want to have like a weird discussion about it, is uh, the most depraved anime I've ever seen. And I, I'm not saying that lightly. Uh, I grew up, I grew up, I was born in 87, and I got into anime in the, in the 90s. And anime in the 90s was fucking awesome and very bizarre. All anime that you could, that you could get to, at least on the west side of Cincinnati, if you did not order it in an online catalog, which I didn't even have access to until I was, Jesus, 14-ish years old, and we would buy VHS tapes at Yu Yu Hakusho, fucking OG gang, bro. Fan sub VHS Yu Yu Hakusho tapes. That is, that's a fucking credit. I don't care how nerdy that sounds now. Boy, that is, that is a status symbol now. I wish I had one of those fucking, one of those fucking tapes. They're big purple plastic VHS tapes, man. Um, but, you know, you got what you could. And the only other place to get it other than that was at the Blockbuster. And everything anime in the Blockbuster that wasn't like Hal Miyazaki, which for some reason, everybody knows fucking Miyazaki. You can, you can complain about anime all you want. People are like, no, I don't like anime. I don't like Japanese cartoons at all. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what about Miyazaki? They're like, oh, I love Miyazaki. Howl's Moving Castle. I've seen it like eight times. It's the Disney. It's the Disney of Japan. <laughs> Fucking shut. Eat, eat a whole asshole, you son of a bitch. People aren't out there watching your name. People aren't out there watching uh, the, the Cowboy Bebop movie. You motherfuckers. Watch some Fate Zero if you want to see some good animation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad, Tyler. Just stop. Just stop while you're ahead. But uh, that anime was all that shit was in the horror and sci-fi section. And some of it was like really okay shit, like Guyver. You can watch Guyver, which is um, like super basic. A guy gets a suit. He, he becomes the Guyver and he fucking slices people up. I can't, I can remember almost none of it. And he had like cutie honey. I think Cutie Honey's the one where the guy turns into a girl. You had Golden Boy, which is Golden Boy. <laughs> it's old, old Japanese, like, uh, detective-y, sex comedy stuff. You'd see some animated titties. You'd be like, all right, word up. But then also, like, they had some, like, wild shit. Like, uh, I can't even remember. I think it's, like, bio, bio something. And it would just be, like, fucking, like, a, a lady would be a, there would be a spider lady with a giant vagina in her, in her stomach up on the side of a fucking building and it would open up and it has teeth and that thing would just eat a dude. And you're like, what in the fuck? This is awesome. You're like Ninja Scroll, which is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was the first good one-liner I ever had during a movie, which I was just like, dude, he just drank that guy's arm like a Coke. <laughs> Always remember that. The first bad guy that dies in the movie rips a dude's arm. Supposed to be a competent ninja, but this guy gets caught and he rips this dude's fucking arm off and then like literally just drinks the blood. Dope. Absolutely dope. But you know, that stuff from back then was like, it was pretty fucked up. It was, it was all sex and violence. The Street Fighter movie was fucking fire. And you know, you never knew what you were getting, which was the crazy part. So like, even the people at the, the VHS places, they didn't know. They wouldn't, they, or, or sometimes they would, but you know. If you didn't see a guy that was the right sort of build and the right level of greasiness behind the counter, you'd be like, all right, yeah, this is not his personally, personally picked, itemized from the catalog uh, decision to, to put this stuff on there. I think that's one of the main reasons people were managers at Blockbusters back in the day. It's because they had control over the catalog. 
It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll order the fucking 30 goddamn copies of Face Off that we need for the rental season this weekend because Face Off is now on DVD or VHS or whatever the fuck. But also, like, I need my, like, six episodes of Hamtaro. Like, I'm trying to fucking figure out what's going to go on at the end of the exercise bark, exercise bike arc in Hamtaro, my dude. I need to know this. I need to know these things. No, they just get porn. But... <laughs> But nowadays, you have access to everything. Um, you know, streaming has made anime extremely accessible. Extremely accessible. 2013 was really, like, the first changeover because Crunchyroll became a thing. And before that, like, I, you could, couldn't just really just watch streaming anime unless you watched it on uh, fan sub sites. And fan sub sites were cool in the 2000s because it was like, all right, man, like, there's literally no way for me to get this fucking content from these Japanese motherfuckers and they're not even translating it into English. So, you know, if, if somebody wants to put Slayers Next on, on you know, 480p staticky-ass Kazaa and they do their own translations, you know, like, I'll download that. Or I'll even give these dudes, like, two or three bucks, you know, for, for a whole translated series. Like, that was fucking dope. And these people were translating them, like, for their, because they were fans and they just wanted more people to talk about these, 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 these stories with, you know, that is one of the biggest things. Like, if you don't know this, one of the most important things to cultivate an audience isn't just to have them like buy your shit, but to have them talk to each other about your shit. Like, that's the best thing that anyone can do because a lot of people will really only fucking watch stuff so that they can talk to people about it. I swear to God. <laughs> and that's especially true of nerd media. Like, a lot of people don't even like want to watch random horror movies and stuff or anime they just uh they want they people are talking about it so and they want to have they want to join the conversation so they go and they watch it so that they can go and talk about it which is perfectly fine it's actually extremely healthy that's part of having a hobby is experiencing different portions of the hobby so that you can talk about it i really don't want to hike up mount kilimanjaro but i'll do it so that i can talk to the other mountain climbers about my experience climbing up mount kilimanjaro and the movie we're going to talk about is the fucking Mount Kilimanjaro of bad anime. Holy shit. But I, I, let me get back to my point. So streaming popped up, re, like, the fan subs things were in the 2000s. Really, I guess they were probably all the way back into the 90s. But uh, you started seeing them more on LimeWire and stuff, so you could download an entire, entire series. So I was like, hey, I want to watch Slayers. I want to watch the last arc of Yu Yu Hakusho. I want to watch um, Ghost Stories dub. <laughs> And uh, you would get those and, you know, there's a little bit of money changing hands. And people started realizing that there was a fucking market in here because some of these fan sub places were making a shit ton of money. And then it started getting scummy right around the late 2000s, 2008 to 2010. And actually 4chan, back before it became a hotbed of, of, of white supremacist activity and the poll board began to exist. This is what people used 4chan for. Um, you don't have to believe me, but I swear to God, it used to be a fucking anime board. <laughs> I swear to, I swear on fucking Christ, it used to mostly be about anime, and then all of the other boards were there as like catch-alls for other potential hobbies. You know, you, usually you went on there for A or Co, and then even like GIF was just like GIFs of anime stuff, and it used to be GIFs, not WebMs. But I digress. Um, you would get on there and you'd try to figure out what the fuck is going on in Japan because Japan had the ancillary board to 4chan, which is 2chan. There you go. Some internet history for you. 2chan's still around. 2chan is not a fucking gigantic cesspit like 4chan is. I mean, it's still whatever it is. It is what it is. 
but it's more like Reddit and has a much more power, much stronger moderation and many, many, many more rules. 4chan went down the tubes a little bit because of the B board, which is the random board, which was you could post anything you want, which used to be funny as shit and also some like shocking stuff. But it ended up, you know, white supremacists started getting kicked out of mainstreamy stuff and they wanted a place where they could spew their shit. And so all that stuff started being full, filled with dog whistles. And it, it kind of, you know, I'm not saying like 4chan was like this fucking paradise or anything, but it was a, a ripe seed bed for that sort of shit. And then it started growing. So now, now 4chan's nothing like what it was. But in the late 2000s and stuff, in addition to edgy humor, it was one of the only places to learn about anime that hadn't come out yet. Because there was like, you couldn't really fucking get shit. Like Funimation's websites only going to tell you what Funimation's coming out with but if you want to know like that if you wanted to know that there's a sequel to whatever Gundam thing that you've been following for like 25 fucking years you get on 4chan and be like hey man do you guys hear hear about Gundam like yeah what what, oh no it's great it's fucking streaming right now I live in fucking I live in I live in Shikoku because I'm I'm working at a fucking tobacco plant I don't know what the fuck and uh, yeah, I can get these things, but I don't, I don't speak enough Japanese. I'm just here as, a, as, a, as an American worker. And they are like, all right, cool. Just buy, buy the fucking Blu-rays and send them to me and I will translate them and I will put them on the internet. And they would do shit like that. And you know, there's other boards. Don't give all, don't give all the credit to 4chan. But uh, in addition to that, a lot of the, you know, like, hey, where can I watch this new thing of Gundam was on 4chan. And so, or like the links, you know, they would, they would be there. And so that became a place where you could go and then find out places to go and find it. But then shit started getting scummy around the same time that 4chan started getting scummy. So you would have, right, these guys who kind of out of the kindness of their hearts and really at an expense to themselves would steal content from Japanese creators, translate it into English or even Jap, or not Japanese, obviously not Japanese, or Spanish. Uh, the Spanish translation community, like p- props, by the way, as bad as like things can get in Mexico and you know South America and stuff, they have one of the most powerful fan sub communities like on Earth. I swear to God, Latinos and Latinas like fucking anime more than any American weebs do. They fucking live for that shit. So like they they translate shit into Spanish, and I don't think there's even like I, I think they're still like a few years behind this because there's not like a major thing for it right now. But they 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 translate shit to Spanish fucking instantaneously. Way faster than we do. There's some fluent-ass Japanese-Spanish speakers out there just fucking destroying it. I digress. The uh, American stuff, you know, they, they would translate it, and these people would be doing it out of the kindness of their hearts, but then these other sites that would get bigger audiences and were better at marketing would steal their fan subs and put them up on their own thing. And because they were better at marketing and better at advertising, they would make a shitload of money and just stealing from these motherfuckers. And this is, you know, web 1.0 shit before, really before like Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and all that stuff took off and the, the great internet consolidation happened. There's tons of these sites. I can't even remember them all. But in addition to that, you also had LimeWire and Kaza. And so once all this sort of kind of hit a fever pitch, people realized there was money in it. And one of the worst <laughs> sites was Crunchyroll. They were, a bunch of, they were a bunch of thieves and all that nonsense, from what I understand. This is all internet history, so taken not even with a grain of salt. Literally expect that I'm wrong and someone lied to me. But Crunchyroll was a fan sub site who was accused of stealing subs, but I think everybody got accused of stealing subs. And there was Crunchyroll, there was Coal Girls, I think, um, and, and a few other ones. I can't remember all their names offhand anymore because they don't matter because they're basically all gone. So... Crunchyroll went legit 
and hired Japanese English translators and worked with licensing with these Japanese companies who were like, and they were like, because for the longest time, Japanese people, um, these execs, at least, you know, Japanese executives were just as dumb and fucking clueless as American executives are. When they ever, they tried to present something to Americans, they would do it the absolute wrong way. And they would go to companies like Funimation who would go to like Cartoon Network and be like, hey, can you, do you think like there's a market for this specific show that's as big as Dragon Ball? And they'd be like, no, we don't think that that'll work as big as Dragon Ball. That won't even be as big as Cowboy Bebop. So we really don't want to fuck with it. Like that, that's not going to be a thing. But Crunchyroll was like, eh, I think you guys are fucking idiots. Because these, mother, these, these people are literally forcing themselves through like 480p down renders of Blu-ray, Blu-rays with like bad translations just because they're so fucking interested in these stories. So they ended up being put on Crunchyroll. And Crunchyroll, you know, they are the ones that brought Shingeki no Kyojin, fucking Attack on Titan, to America. That was like their big thing. They had a few... St- they had a few Things on there when it started, um, SNK is why I started watching Crunchyroll. Like, I was just like, wow, animation, this is fire. I was like, it's going to suck because I'm going to watch this on a fan sub site and it's going to look like dog shit and it's going to be like interpolated. And then it's like, no, 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 you can watch this on Crunchyroll, a subscription's $7 a month. And I was like, oh, fuck, $7 a month? I'll, I'll do that. I think it's actually five back in 2013. And then that's when I first got into streaming simulcast anime. So, like, Literally, Attack on Titan would come out on Sunday at, you know, or it would come out Sunday back in the day, Sunday at like three. And then by like Monday or Tuesday at three, they would have the translations done. They would have the episode resubbed and then out. And then it got so good and they made so much money for these, you know, companies in Japan that the Japanese were just like, man, fuck, dude, how about we just give you the, the things and then you can do simulcast releasing and so now crunchyroll does simulcast releasing of properties so literally when the japanese people see you know whatever in japan at 3 30 i think i keep going to snk so i'll just say it. snk's simulcast time was 3 30 p.m on sundays 3 30 p.m on sunday a fully subbed version of Shingeki no Kyojin would come out and you could watch it at the same time, which is insane because then the cultural overlap gets exploded because now you're memeing the episodes when they come out and, you know, like people are like, oh, you know, whatever, fucking Reiner's a pussy, Reiner's an idiot. And, you know, you, you make that and then you see the Japanese people are making their memes and then you steal their memes and then they steal your memes and it becomes this massive ground up thing that like really just bolsters and creates these like sub communities that are getting so big now that um, it, it's 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 insane. There's an anime called Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, and it just came out. So it went through two arcs. An arc, by the way, is uh, uh, kind of hard to describe. It's a a conflict resolution cycle within the interior of a much larger story. So uh, in, in the Game of Thrones universe, if you're familiar with Game of Thrones, the War of the Five Kings is an arc. So, you know, it starts with uh, at the end of novel one, Ned gets his head cut off. And then I think it kind of finishes or peters out by the midpoint of four. You know, the Red Wedding happens. Sorry, uh, spoilers. <laughs> 
fucking know what happens in Game of Thrones. You can't be helped. Uh, Rob gets killed. The uh, Stannis' army is basically banished. There's no reason for whatever. So that, that's resolved. That's the end of the Five Kings arc. And inside of those, you can have multiple other arcs. Like John joins the Black Watch arc. That's an arc. So, you know, the first two arcs of Kimetsu no, Yai- Kimetsu no Yaiba were so well animated and so well received that they were some of the most watched television in Japan at the time. They came out with a third arc, which is actually very short. It's called the uh, Mystery Train, I believe, or the Demon Train arc. And the train arc, which in the, the, the anime is very, very short. It's um, only, you know, I think like maybe 10 issues or something like that. It's just a short, um, they, they, go, they get on a train, they figure out the problem with the train, they find the monster, cause of the problem, they beat the monster, that kind of thing. They made that into a movie, and on its release day, it became the most viewed movie in Japanese history. Flat out. No cap. And the, the need for that, and the, the, and the fucking movie that it beat out was the My Hero Academia movie that came out just uh, about a year ago. Two, two Heroes or whatever the fuck it was called. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen either of them. I wish they were on Crunchyroll. But a lot of that is because of all of this streaming and stuff. You know, people want to go see these things. And because there's like a, a real comfortableness nowadays amongst fans of things, the shame of going to see a cartoon movie like that in, in public is much diminished. When I was a kid, if you went to go see a fucking anime release in a movie theater the day of, I swear to God, there would probably been people like just set up outside the fucking door to try to make fun of you. But nowadays, it's completely cool, and I fucking love that. Um, so, you know, the, the, the reason I'm explaining this is the uh, propensity for oddity in the Japanese anime market has actually sort of petered out a bit. Um, in, in the 90s, anime was extraordinarily experimental. You had a lot of anchor shows that were pretty basic, combat, harem-type animes, things like Rama One Half, which was, you know, Super basic. It ran for like a million seasons. There's like 500 fucking episodes of it. You got into things like One Piece eventually. And of course you have Dragon Ball Z. And then on top of that, you had all sorts of bizarre shit. And like even hentai back in the day, which is Japanese animated pornography, there was like a very broad line between what it was and what was just considered just like a, uh, an adult movie release. And they animated, they drew the shit out of these things. You know what I mean? Like sex dicks, all sorts of fluid going around. You know, somebody has to like literally sit there and painstakingly draw out all of this. Otherwise it looks like shit. And it looks fucking great. All of these things from back in the day look fucking amazing. They're colored, they're directed. Somebody has to sit down. And, and, and so like this understanding of effort is something I'm going to be getting into when we start talking about redo of Healer. That sort of experimental nature of anime has kind of gone on the wayside it's a sort of a casualty of the simulcast and streaming boom that made, you know, things like Isekai and all that just huge, massive properties. You have things like Sword Art Online and, and ReZero and starting Slime Isekai. I'm just going to say Slime Isekai. It's like, the Japanese are fucking wild with making 15, 25-word titles for things. Starting again in another world with my cell phone. Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? I haven't seen either of those two, but they're, they're, they're well-received as the uh, sort of like 
you know, cheesecakey, uh, fun, comedic, not really very emotional, fun shows, you know, brain rot, candy, popcorn. So those are more popular. You don't get a lot of experimental shit. That's not true. That is not true at all of the manga industry, which is fucking fire. The Japanese are ahead of the fucking earth in just making comics that are out there, dude. That just literally insane. No one in America has made anything close to fucking blame. Like B-L-A-M-E, exclamation point, exclamation point. If you want to get just absolutely visually mind-fucked, just pick up an issue of blame. It is, I can't even really like explain it because it, it's just a, it, it defies explanation. It's about a uh, technological a future in which the technological propensity of mankind has exceeded its own boundaries. And uh, basically the earth has been consumed by a gigantic self-building machines that have lost connection with humankind and humans are just kind of sprawled out through this machine. And it is literally so big that at one point, and this is a mild spoiler, but it's like one of the most iconic images, uh, a guy, the main character, whose name is Killy, is a, uh, an, a deathless robot who is, has literally been trying to, we find later, he's been trying to find out the people that, um, what do you call it? The people that can control this excessive, sprawling, creating mass. Uh, he's trying to find one of them and reconnect them to it so that they can like put a stop to it for a second. He's been on his mission because he's deathless for something in the order of like three or 4,000 years, you find out. And uh, so he can't actually remember what he's doing anymore because his, his memory cortex is degraded from just walking endlessly through this thing. And uh, it's fire. But one of the biggest reveals in it, it's one of the coolest pages, he goes up an elevator that takes, you know, some, sometimes he's on elevators that literally it tells you it's like, this is a 13, 14 year elevator. He goes on one that takes like 400 years. And when he gets to the top, he looks up and he sees that the expanse of the machine has eclipsed and has contained fucking Jupiter. So he just looks up and Jupiter is inside the machine, which is just fucking amazing. At the end, by the end, I think you find out that the uh, entire machine is like the size of a Dyson sphere. Those spoilers are meaningless. I mean, literally fucking meaningless. The art, the artistic direction, the, just like the, the things that you can see in that, like that some human just dreamed up to put out are fucking amazing. And like, there's just literally, there's nothing in American comics that's like it. Like I've literally never come across anything. I'm sure there's some great experimental comics out there, but blame the art in it and just sort of like the feel, the actual like mise-en-scene is so good that you will feel like heart sick looking at some of these just landscapes, these lonely uh, industrial hellscapes that, that have been created by this, this rampant technological uh, overcreation. It's fucking awesome. So yeah, the manga industry is still very experimental, but you won't see a lot of, uh, a lot of, we're going to try something extremely new in, in, in anime anymore because anime is usually created, um, if you don't know this, to sell manga because the manga industry is very, very powerful. They, they sell comics. Everybody reads comics in, in Japan. Like, it's, it's cool. Like, 35-year-old businessmen read them. 85-year-old grandmas read them. 25-year-old, like, you know, hot chicks read them. Like, everybody fucking reads them. Literally everybody. And so 
the the ostensible understanding of any any anime, with the the, the notable exception of uh, anime original stories, they're they're meant to sell something, and that brings us the long way around to redo of Healer, <laughs> which is which is the most depraved shit. I have ever read. It's been banned in Germany, or I haven't read it. Uh, I've ever watched. It was banned in Germany. It, it should. I'm not going to say it shouldn't be banned in America. And you know, I, you know, I'm coming from a place where I'm usually about. I'm about that freedom of speech, but the uh, themes and the way that they're presented in this are so grotesque and awful. I I don't think that there's much in the way of redeeming factors about it. The main reason I want to talk about it is because I like the thought, as I was talking earlier, of animators working on this. And I noticed something pretty profound when I was, when I was, when I was uh, reading it or watching it. So this came to me uh, the way most of my things do. I was checking out random anime boards. I think this is on actually 4chan's A board. And uh, it was just like, wow. So they really, they really did it is literally what it says. There was just some like random pictures of the main character and stuff, and they're like, "This is this like I cannot believe this is on." And you know, four chans like I we literally cannot believe somebody did it. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. So Crunchyroll will not run redo of Healer, and I guess I'll give you the uh, the basic rundown of it. So the the full title and in, in real Japanese tradition is the Healers Do Over Transcendent Healing Through Insta Kill Magic and Skill Copying, which it, it's it's not like you know that's Shorter in Japanese. In Japanese, it's Kaifuku Jutsushi no Yarinoshi Sokushu Meho to Sukiru Kopi no Chuitsu Hiru. So it's super fucking long. It follows the story of a guy named uh, Kiaru Kiaru. How the fuck do you say this guy's name? Kiaru Kiaru, um, which is supposed to be a goofy sounding name anyway. They are in a ostensibly Japanese anime flavored medieval European fantasy setting where everybody just understands that you're you're kind of like it's kind of like a video game like so you have stats but that's just like perfectly natural <laughs> I can't even I can't even hold on so so this fucking guy he wakes up one day and he discovers that he is a hero which is just, it's very bad this is a very very badly done start to finish anime. He finds out that he's a hero because he wakes up and the back of his hand glows and he's got a little symbol on it. It's like, oh, it's a symbol of a hero. He joins up with a hero core and finds out shortly after that the uh, Princess Flair, is her name, is actually just like a psycho bitch. Everybody that he works with is uh, evil, sexually sadistic monsters. And uh, really the main reason that they do anything heroic is to keep their kingdom in power. And that's pretty much it. So he goes for four years of this. And during this time, he is uh, sexually abused graphically, animatedly. Um, he's fed drugs to keep him like crazy. Drugs, by the way, are Japanese anime isekai drugs, which is just like some fucking pink potion that he just laps up like a dog. Uh, he's kept in chains, basically naked. All of the worst things ever happened to him. It's terrible. But he gets more powerful with his healing magic, which he doesn't want to use because everything he heals, he can feel the pain of. 
which is a thing that is, is introduced and then never brought up again because he just does not seem to care about it once the, uh, the plot takes off. This guy goes back in time. He uses his healing powers. He amplifies them to beat a demon lord. It doesn't fucking matter. He uses his powers to go back four years in time to when he first started. He wakes up as himself four years earlier. And he's, uh, he's literally insane. And he's like, all right, so basically I've got to live out my life for some reason. The same way that I did the first time. And then I'm going to take vengeance on the people that hurt him, which is like his whole hero party. They're, they're the worst. They are the worst people ever. He does this in the most confounding way possible. So for six months or so before they start actually going on adventures, he's kept in the palace dungeon after he refuses to heal somebody because it hurts him so bad. And there he is. He is, he is uh, given to the soldiers as a plaything. He's beaten, kicked, fed drugs, literally just abused. Now, he went back in time at this point, so he knows that's going to happen to him, which we would think, because this is two time travel that we're talking about already, uh, maybe don't do that this time. <laughs> just avoid them. Go somewhere else. Practice your healing ability. Now, he says that his healing ability wasn't as strong in the past four years ago as it was four years in the future because he didn't know how to use it. But because his brain stays the same when he goes back in time, he's still very good at it. Fine. So he, his trick is that he doesn't really heal things. He just biologically recreates them when he touches them, which means that he could give himself poison immunity by just touching himself and rewriting himself to give himself poison immunity or the other way you can do it is by finding somebody with poison immunity and touching them and stealing their power. Now, he does not do this. Instead, he goes into the woods as a non-hero person and just feeds himself poisonous mushrooms over and over and over again in order to give himself the skill, poison immunity, and not be affected by the drug. This does not work. He doesn't get poison immunity right away, but he still, for some reason, goes with them these, these adventurers, when they come to collect them and take them back to the castle, he then proceeds to allow himself to get abducted and still go through the six months of torture in the basement for no reason. He didn't have to do this. We find out very soon after that eventually, while he's down there, he gets poison resistance, right? And then he's like, oh shit, it's vengeance time. And like most of this, I skipped through giant chunks of it because I was like, what is the what is the point that everybody's talking about? Well, this is horrible. Like, I don't fucking get it. So, you know, any, any anime where I get kind of like pseudo-recommended on it, I'll, I'll watch one chapter and I'll skip through it a little bit because sometimes first episodes are bad and then the second episode's good. I don't know. I have, I have no explanation for this, but I was kind of just like, all right, I got to get to the end. This is dumb. And so I get to the end. It's like, okay, so he's going to do some vengeance. Um, the pacing in the first episode, by the way, is fucking trash. There's, I think I'm not even describing everything that happens, but there's all kinds of extra shit. He finally breaks out and he grabs the dude, the, the head of the guards, uh, for some reason, sexually assaults him like every night. And he grabs this dude's face and he's like, oh, actually, I have my powers. And you're like, oh, yay. All right, we're going to do it. Big vengeance. I'm like, okay, cool. So, by the way, I did not have any idea what's going to happen in the plot of this before I started. I just knew it was a revenge anime that was like way too over the top. And that's all I knew. And so I was like, okay, so they're setting him up so that he can basically just do whatever he wants because these people are so fucking ridiculous. He can do whatever he wants and then you won't feel bad. I'm expecting bloodshed, which I get, but we continue. He turns this guy into himself. He, he, really, he literally reconstructs this dude's fucking entire physiology. This is like a six foot two, 280 pound man that he turns into looking like him. And he's like five, six, 
and, and 140 pounds soaking wet. He then goes to Flair's room looking like this dude, the, the, the party leader, the super mage. And uh, from there, the anime begins. So when I was watching this, I just looked it up on a high dive, which is a, I cannot recommend it. It's a very bad streaming service. It doesn't have any fucking titles except for this one. So basically he goes in there, he strips over his, her powers with his trick. And then for nine minutes, there's only an image of a fireplace and like weird noises. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And then when we come back, they do uh, what I just call like Japanese censorship, which is literally they will just put a, they will like Photoshop black dots onto whatever they don't want you to see of varying size. So like, if there's like a little bit of nudity in a show, it'll be like a black dot. Or if somebody gets, the best one is when somebody gets shot in something when, and like basically it's like supposed to be on a teen channel, but it's mature and someone gets shot. <laughs> like, instead of showing you like the little bullet hole, they'll have like a black dot over them. So it's okay. Well, I get it. People get beheaded and they'll cover up the entire space where their head is supposed to be with a big black circle, but then the head will be on the ground with like a little black fuzz on the bottom of it. So we go through this like torture scene, which I thought was actually pretty clever and I was, I was, it was pretty fire. So he starts breaking her fingers, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the high, high intensity. This is gross. He starts breaking her fingers and I figure out what's going to happen. He's like, I'll let you go if I can break all your fingers and you don't scream. And then so she, she does it, and he breaks all her fingers, and they're blurred. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he, he uses his healing powers on him. By the way, it doesn't hurt him, which is irritating as fuck to me. And her fingers are good, and she's like, oh, shit, he's just going to keep breaking my fingers over and over again until I, I quit anyway. I'm like, all right, dope. And then the fucking thing starts where I'm like, why the fuck is there a goddamn fireplace? So I go and try to find the uncensored version of this, and I find out that this is actually a porno. <laughs> Not 100%. It's what you call etchy, which is like not quite full porn. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, like, a, like Porky's or something in America back in the day where it's like a lot, of, a lot of fan service, TNA and stuff, but you don't see any like penetration or anything. But this fucking anime plays it so goddamn close. It's like nightmarish. He literally sexually assaults this woman and brainwashes her into thinking she's a completely different person. He literally like rips her personality out of her head. And then she just becomes his girlfriend. And I was just like, that is the most fucked up thing I have ever seen. And by the way, the nine minutes of that happening is just nine minutes. That, that's why the fucking, they cut to the fireplace for nine minutes. It's bad. Um, and the, the anime really just starts from there. And I was like, oh, okay. So this guy's, is this guy not the good guy? And I started realizing like, well, um, this is the episode two. And then it goes, literally it goes to this whole horrific scene. And then it says the, the title for the next, the next episode. And it's uh, <laughs> episode three. The healer buys a slave. <laughs> and it literally goes downhill from there. This, the show gets progressively worse. And I, I, it was like a fucking nightmare. I could not stop watching it because I'm just like, how, how do you do it? And I started to notice, because um, I'm thinking about making stuff like this, you know, not like, like I want to make stuff like this, but the actual creative process behind it reminded me a lot of my work on Monstro, which some of you people are familiar with. The first episode of Monstro 
which I did not write and had nothing to do with and suggested we did not run, uh, had a half hour long, half hour, 30 minutes, half hour long dick eating scene where a guy was uh, castrated and uh, cooked and uh, you know, we just graphically described this dude's, the, the chewing and, and eventual almost swallowing of a dick. And it was just gross. And it really wasn't like good. But, you know, a lot of work went into that. Fucking, I know the guy that wrote it. He had to write it. <laughs> I know the guy that had to score it and put in all the uh, sound effects. It was a different dude. They had to listen to it a bunch of times. I had to listen to it some. Editorial decisions came down. She kept the penis eating in. And, you know, we had a, a, a publishing and sending it out. All of this stuff had to go into creating this. And that is a podcast. So that's just audio. And I'm just thinking, of the people making this. Um, if you don't know, uh, Japanese, the Japanese art industry is not as heavily male-dominated as America's is. I'm not saying it's like perfectly equitable, but it's just well-known that there's tons, tons of, 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 of women and men that work on this stuff. So you can imagine, this is not, more than likely, this is not an all-male studio, <laughs> which, you know, means nothing ultimately creatively because, you know, women fucking draw whatever the fuck they want, dude. You need a dollar. But I, I just started noticing little things like the uh, misery faces that are in this. And there's one in the second episode where I was just like, I feel like somebody was looking into a mirror, thinking about drawing the rest of this anime, and then they drew themselves for this. <laughs> and once you notice it, you can kind of see it. And they're just like, I feel like they're taking the piss out of this fucking dumbass show that they have to work on. Because you know, whatever, their fucking studio got conscripted to do it. They have to work on it. And uh, there were threads about it where um, you find out actually like after the fact that tons of the background and side art were actually based on real traditional artworks, like where somebody just kind of like redrew stuff and like it's not in the normal, the manga that this is based on. So people are just like literally <laughs> without, without needing to drawing, redrawing fine art pieces into this absolute piece of shit as fast as they could. <laughs> speed so there's all these side by sides where you see this old like like you would not know it you know what i'm saying like you would not know it if you were not an art history person it's not like something as simple as the mona lisa it's like the 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 shooting of the shooting of three rebels outside of like san madre 1872 like like very specific spanish masters dutch masters all of this stuff and it's just so fucking interesting. I, I, I watched through it. It just gets worse. The, the, the penultimate victory moment episode is like an incest scene. So yet again, we have fucking time travel and incest. I don't know why. I don't know why that was the theme of the episode. I'm going to put that in the fucking metadata. The whole time I'm watching this, I'm really just morbidly interested because of just how much fucking work had to go into it. It just blows my mind. And like, uh, it's not like, you know, how do you sleep at night? You haven't created these things. It is really just like, oh man, how did you get up every day? <laughs> Go in. I guess, you know, you're getting paid a bunch, but you know, animators work on crunches. They're just stressed as fuck, going hard as hell. They're like, how am I going to animate best this moving titty? How, like, what, like, somebody has to really make like hardcore decisions on like, you know, weight and camera angle, like, how am I going to, to really make this look like it's not, you know, a two-year-old, because I'm going to be putting this in my fucking portfolio. 
<laughs> this is the first time I was allowed to do keyframes on a major work. This was released, and I cannot, I cannot state this enough. This actually was released on a major network in Japan. It was. So this is a real show put out by real people. And, uh, you know, aired live. You know, it's, it's put out. That's why it's so, uh, it's so edited down is because it's actually there to sell the Blu-rays for it, which I, I suppose are going to be even more pornographic and have even more shit to see. I won't be buying them, but I'm, I guarantee you a ton of people that watched it well because they're fucking gross. But it is a, uh, it is a fucking ride. And you, you do just start noticing stuff about it. I, not only can I not recommend Redo of Healer, I, I strongly suggest you don't watch it if you are a parent with kids that have access to anime. I, I, this is the one thing I would say. Throw a parental block on this motherfucker because it is bad, dude. But as a, uh, but isn't like an experiment in creativity. It is fascinating to think your way through it. Because, you know, if there was one person that created it, you know, you can say whatever you want about the mangaka who drew it or the, the light novel guy who wrote it because he just wanted to write that shit. That's like his fucking fetish. He's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this rape fetish anime and, you know, I'll probably sell a bunch because we got the perverts are everywhere. It's fine. But, you know, he had to do it, and you can blame everything you want on him. You're like, dude, you're so gross. Why did you write that? And he's like, yeah, I thought it would sell, man. You know, it's fucking, hey, people like the skin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the guy that drew that is definitely the Japanese version of fucking Andrew Dice Clay. Fuck, hickory dickory dock. <laughs> but uh, the, when you get up to the high production, the multimedia production aspect of it, Dude, the, who's the guy? Who is the fucking sound guy that had to sit there for hours being like, man, oh God, that is just not the sound I think this girl's vagina would make. <laughs> Can I? This needs to be a little greasier, I feel like. Uh, is, this, is, this really, is this really like how I want to artistically represent somebody being like hacked in the face with a goddamn hatchet? I don't know. And then you have like you have the the, the seiyus, the voice actors who have to come in and they're like, all right, so in this, you uh, you you are a brainwashed girl assaulting her sister um, for the gratification of this absolute sociopath. And I can just I just see this woman looking down at the script and being like, I am treating myself to some fucking whiskey tonight, bitch. <laughs> and maybe a bunch of people are having like a fucking you're having like a great time with it you know it's probably not all misery all the time but a lot of the people have to just be like what the fuck what the fuck is this script and kind of just imagining they're like just suffering through this the whole time is great to me I'm constantly reminded of this dude whose name I cannot remember but it's uh He's a, a British actor of some sort. He is in the last episode of Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. And I actually remember this. It, he's the, I think he's one of the vampire leaders, but he's a short little dude. He's got the contacts in and stuff. And uh, apparently he actively wanted to take the role in Twilight because he just like wanted some money and he just wanted to fuck off the whole time. And he knew he'd be able to because his character was so badly written. Anything he did would be, like, it was just fucking party time. You're just, like, a mustache-twirling, scene-chewing villain. And so he just had a fucking blast. And, you know, I watched that movie stoned out of my fucking mind. Literally out of the gourd. 
when I was in college because I was just like, fuck it. You know, it was on HBO and I was like, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I think I actually might have been too high when it came on to change the channel. <laughs> and I just, I just sat through that fucker. But yeah, I've seen him since. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I was just like, ah, oh, come on. That was the that was the moment where I the moment I got pissed off at Twilight is the absolute second I found out that when you kill a vampire they don't even fucking bleed. Like I was like, oh yeah, this bitch is gonna rip this dude's fucking head off. She's got his fucking got her fucking nails in his fucking throat. Rip his throat out. Yes, yes, blood and gore, victory at sea. And then he's just fucking marble or some shit. He's just like a rock. He's ripping rocks apart. That's bullshit, Stephanie Meyer. Your goddamn book is bullshit. They. Why do they need blood if they're made out of rocks? Why do they need blood? That's bullshit. They should be, they should be blood and guts and gore, man. Come on, it's the coolest thing about vampires. is like true blood. You kill one and they pop, pop like a big gore balloon. Everyone's covered in fucking spaghetti and, and, and chopped spinach and fucking red sauce. It's great. But, you know, that guy having a great time in that absolute piece of shit of a movie was uh, it's something I enjoy. I like, I like seeing the brushstrokes in something and finding the brushstrokes in this absolutely puerile, absolutely puerile, unforgivable piece of shit. Is, uh, it really made me enjoy it in a sideways way. And I, I, had, a, I had a good time. And you know, <laughs> you, you might be fucking tempted to watch this and I literally cannot tell you hard enough not to do it. And this is not me being like, a, hey man, don't, don't watch it. It might be too much for you. Like, no, this is like cannibal Holocaust grade bad. It's not good. It's completely irredeemable. There are no at artistic merits to it. It is uh, bland. Everything that is not related to the uh, revenge sex parts of it is so completely overshadowed or dull the the sets are boring the architecture is boring the concept art is boring the character art is boring the costumes are boring the the uh what do you call them the monsters the set dressing the magic system the magic effects literally dull as dishwater boring this it, it's like they could have just used the color brown and you would have had the same effect. No, it's an isekai, so you have to use the color powder blue. Because powder blue is isekai color. Everything's powder blue if it's nice. Powder blue walls, powder blue coats, powder blue undergarments, whatever the fuck. So, like, don't watch it. It's not good. It's not good. Unless you're, unless you're trying to, like, literally have... Uh, if, you're, if you're trying to break it down for some artistic reason because you're, you're, you're bored and you need something to do in between um, trying to make yourself recover from doing a horrific 20-minute long <laughs> doctor laugh. That hurts just doing that. Just, uh, just avoid it. Avoid it entirely. But it is, it is very interesting. And it's nice to know that other people are going through what I had to go through when I made Monstro. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, I think, uh, I think we're going to end it there. On a, on a recap note, especially going back, uh, don't forget that we are going to be putting out a book soon, and I am going to be putting up a pre-order thing for it. I'm doing the whole shebang. I know you have already experienced all of the stories, but the physical book is going to be fully laid out like a real book. I'm a fucking boss at this shit. It's what I used to do 
for a living in newspapers. I'm good at the InDesign. It's going to have all of Miss Yui's artwork in it, start to finish. Uh, well, not, not start to finish. I mean, it's going to have like literally 10 pictures in it because that's how many are in the season. But it's season four, so you know, Ojo's Oscuros. If you like that, if you like Best Roses, if you like Mud of the Heart, if you liked The Three Flights of Mateo Jefferson, if you like The Move, Within, with, within is Without, Dog Star, all of those fucking great stories that I, I, I'm calling them great because those are my kids, man. I love them to death. They're all going to be collected one place and you'll be able to physically hold a copy in your hand. The way I laid it out is uh, the art is just before each thing. So you have tons of access to the art. Cover is a semi-original that I made out of the Three Flights of Mateo Jefferson artwork. And, you know, um, it, it, it would just mean a lot to me if when it goes out there, if you guys, uh, if you guys just signed up for pre-orders, you can pre-order the ebook too. You know, just, just go out there, show a little bit of support, try to, try, to, try to drum it up. This is like one of the few things I'm really, I really will be asking for it a lot. If you guys have been enjoying the podcast, I put it out for free. This would be the only time I really ask you to, to, to really consider spending some money on it because this is, this is the heart of it, you know? And if, if, I, if, I can, if I can call in that favor one time specifically, it's going to be for this. Because if we make it big, and it, it, it works, you know, not, not big, big, you know, I'm not expecting to fucking top the New York Times, but if we show that this is a viable method for me to, to sell the books, I will release original novel length fiction independently like this in the future. So you will be able to buy my unreleased stuff, Black Bled the Prairie, which is, takes place in North Dakota. It's your first introduction to Blackwell. If you, uh, if you know who he is, and it's the very first novel I wrote. It's the first novel that establishes the con- concept of Yith, Blood Meal, which takes place in the city, capital C. One of the other, I think it's the second one I wrote, goes heavily into the Corsican conspiracy. Gun Cotton Boys, the first novel I ever set in Gun Cotton. So if you are excited about Bobby Chatterley and all that shit going on, Gun Cotton Boys, man, that, that, that novel is long as fuck. And that, that sets down and ties together tons of shit. West by God, one of the best things I've ever written, probably the best novel, maybe one of the best novels I might ever write, establishes a lot of shit. Literally can't even talk about it, but that takes place just north of Gun Cotton. And that is the first appearance, actually, of The Witcham Woman. Then we have, what else? I mean, Black City. I don't know if it's going to be coming out next season or not, but Black City, man. That takes place in the future. Hammers home a lot of stuff. Corsicans, the future of the city. Reasons for black feather tattoos. What happens to our, our main character from within is without is somewhat gone over there. Big shit, man. Big shit. Big access. If you want more content, really, this is going to be, this is going to be where, it, where it comes from. And you know, I am going to be doing some stuff. I, I do plan on releasing some teasers and shit like that for things on Patreon. I'm never going to forget you guys. We're never going to stop doing the podcast. But this is definitely, you know, five years into the podcast, we need to start thinking about the future. And this is going to be some thinking about the future stuff. The podcast isn't going anywhere. I actually still have some short stories on hand. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to fucking drum out a few short stories. In the, in the meantime, we can have a short story season again. But uh, yeah, like keep an eye out for that. Think about it, consider it, buy it for a friend. 
I know you've already experienced the stories, and I'm sorry I can't release something that's completely new and completely original, but this is going to be a big thing. This is going to be a really, really big thing for me. It's going to be the first time that anybody can buy a physical copy of my words printed on paper. And you know, um, I know it's not through a major publisher, and uh, I don't care. I don't, I don't value them as much as, as everybody wants me to. Fuck them. Fuck them. If you guys are down for the independent horror, if you want to see shit like this, if you want other people that aren't me to succeed, you know, consider this shit. Really consider it. And um, I'm going to leave you with that. Obviously, I just gave this whole big fucking speech, but I don't have it available for pre-order yet. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be announcing it on everything. If you like the podcast and you want to keep up to date on those announcements, facebook.com slash Tales, Instagram slash Tales for some stuff. I'm on Twitter a fuckload now. Um, I live on Twitter like an animal, a fucking disgusting, diseased, feathered thing hiding up in the treetops trying to take shits on bigger predators. You know, that's me. I'm on the Twitter. I'm on the Twitter constantly talking. So at WS Fairy Tales, hit me up. You don't have to talk about the podcast. Just, uh, well, I mean, talk about stuff in the podcast. You can tell me I'm fucking wrong about any of this stuff. Send me a line at Gmail or WestsideFairyTales at gmail.com if you want to talk to me directly and not see, not have anyone else know. If you want to ask questions, if you want to clarify, if you want to correct me on stuff, that's one of the best ways too, especially if you don't want to uh, have anybody else be like, hey, be nice to him. You can be mean to me in private. WestsideFairyTales at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, the Patreon, as always, our, our Patreon, our patron, our Patreon fucking exploded this year. And uh, I had like a, like a little emotional moment. Because, you know, it's just because we we switched to monthlies or yearlies for a few of the things. So um, whatever, you know, some people can give like a lot at once. And so you can you can subscribe for a year. But we we cracked four digits for the first time since the start of the podcast. And that was big. And, you know, I know it's not going to be four digits next month because that was because of a very generous donation from somebody that that pushed it up. And it's going to go back to the normal monthly of what it is, but seeing that really hits you, you know. I, I'm, a, I'm literally alone in a room next to, like, in front of the computer I look at all day, looking at my screen that I look at all day. And, you know, it doesn't feel like you guys are real sometimes because, you know, I, I try to ignore my numbers these days. I don't like looking at them. They just make me unhappy. But, you know, I know you guys are out there in a certain effect. And when, when stuff like that happens, even if it's just, you know, a compliment on, on I, that I get on Chartable where somebody says like, hey man, this is one of the best, one of the best podcasts I've ever seen or, you know, hey, just keep it up. Like, just keep it up means a fuck ton to me. But, you know, getting a little bit of cash for it's big, it's huge. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you everybody that that shares it. Thank you, everybody that talks about the podcast. Thank you, everybody that sends me money and sends me compliments. I love y'all to death. You really do make the fucking world go around for me. And um, I hope that this next chapter that starts up with me putting some physical content out into the world really takes off. Because, you know, once I have that going on too, I can order some myself. And uh, I can start going out to conventions and shit once this, this Rona's done and, and, and start spreading the fucking gospel of the West Side Fairy Tales that way. And by the way, permanent, permanent, forever, forever. You know, I, still, I know some people get big and um, they start charging for autographs and shit. But I will say this, fact of the matter, I don't care if somebody else's 
has gotten it signed. If you bring me one of these, it's the, the title for the collection of season four is The Eyes Beneath My Father's House. If you ever bring me a copy of The Eyes Beneath My Father's House, I don't care if it's in 2021 or if it's in 2081 and I'm on my fucking deathbed, I will sign it. I don't care if there's fucking 50 signatures in it, if we're drawing on the artwork, if it's over the pages because it's been passed down, you found it in a fucking library somewhere or in a fucking trash heap. If I haven't written something in 40 years by that point for some reason, I will sign it. Promise to God. I will sign that for you. So um, if, that's a, if that's a thing, just let me know. <laughs> and you know, you guys are going to get some chances. Hopefully, once this starts up, I'm going to start researching how conventions work. I am probably going to start close to home because that's way easier for me with my production schedule and all that. Probably in the range of like from up to Pittsburgh, left to Chicago, down to somewhere mobile, Alabama right to the top of Florida is my current range. I might go down as far as Orlando, but that's sort of what I'm thinking of as far as conventions go. And of course, uh, money and, and, and all that stuff will go into it too. But the more money we get in the Patreon, the more we're likely to do stuff like that. And if I end up getting bigger on those circuits, I'll do readings and shit like that. And honestly, if I'm not busy and you find me there, hit me up and we'll probably just abandon the fucking booth and go grab a beer or something. Fuck it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, until next time, as always, check out all that stuff. Thanks for listening to me blubber like a fucking idiot. Do not watch Redo of Healer. Maybe watch Dark. And uh, support your local indie artists, if not me, other people, because we're all out there and we're all struggling. We all need help. Thanks a bunch. Until next time, as always, stay safe out there. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, 
a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast, due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.